What's up, Awakened Human? I'm your host, Angel, and you're listening to Lit Up For Life, the podcast. I'm on a journey to discover what truly lights us up, to bring you everything you could ever want to know about building ecstatic confidence and truly soulful self-esteem. I'm here to gather and share all the practical tools and support you need to awaken the fun and free force of nature that you were born to be. Let's go deep. What's up, beautiful awakened humans? So for episode three, I had a pretty candid chat with Amy Rushworth, who is a transformation and healing mentor, a spiritual coach, a speaker, and also a friend of mine. And I loved this episode. We got really deep into manifestation, attracting your love and partner, how to heal sexual trauma and abuse. We even got into the specifics on certain rituals that you can use to heal and awaken your own sexuality. We talked about sisterhood, calling in your tribe, all the things. I loved it. And I think you guys are going to love it too. So enjoy. Hey, Queen. Hi, babe. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We were just kind of chatting before and I was saying for the first time in a little while, I can say I'm good instead of I'm good considering. Mm. (laughs) How are you? (laughs) Totally. I feel you. I'm feeling also really good and just really in awe and curiosity about 2020 and everything that's been revealed and is already continuing to be revealed. And I'm just in this state of curiosity at the moment around where we're going to go next. (laughs) So Mm, hands up for the roller coaster ride. (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally. But I feel like I'm in like a good space with it. Yeah. Well, I I feel that that has probably a lot to do with your um, personal practice. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So I would love to hear a little more about that. Like, what is it do you think that you do or have been doing that has really supported you in staying in the curiosity rather than getting lost in maybe the uncertainty or the anxiousness that comes if we don't stay as open as you're staying? Totally. Well, I mean, some of this is just part of my nature for sure. I feel, and I've said to a lot of people that 2020 has definitely revealed everybody's childhood wounds and then how they project. For me, I am definitely someone who rolls with the punches in life in general. I had like a lot of change and uncertainty when I was growing up. So I'm kind of someone who thrives on variety. Like I do love shaking things up and things being a bit uncertain. And I do like a little bit of fear in my life because I think it keeps things interesting. Uh, But like you said, so much as well is from my own rituals, practices and the personal development journey that I've been on for a number of years and also the nature of the work that you and I both do means that we're getting intimate with the shadow stuff all the time, you know. Uh, In terms of like daily stuff that I've been doing, I just moved house actually and that's been really good for me. Like the vibration, the energy of this house is completely different to where I was before and Mm -hmm. I've been really depending on nature for that kind of spiritual purification. So getting out, like getting my feet on the earth, having baths, you know, I moved partly to this new house because it has a bath and the other place didn't. And I think Mm. it's really important that we're like getting in communion with nature during this time, especially when we're being told to stay inside and to wear masks and to cut ourselves off from that. So that's been really powerful for me as well as breath work is another one that's like super potent and really important to my process. Oh, absolutely. It's like probably one of the most powerful tools in my toolkit as well. And I I just had an episode with a dear girlfriend of mine, Moon, um, and she was also saying the same thing. So if you're listening and you're seeing a pattern emerge and you don't do breath work, (laughs) I hope this is the nudge that will push you over that edge to do it. Um, How do you find getting nature time in in London? Because you live in London. I lived there for a few years. That's where we reconnected, I think. And I found it really, I've actually found that quite challenging being 
an energetically sensitive being, which I believe is a superpower, but living, I mean, we lived in the middle of Shoreditch and I managed, but I found it quite intense. So for anyone living in a city, I feel like you're crushing it and, and really managing to find your way and thrive in that environment. And I mean, dare I say that you are very empathic and an energetically sensitive being. Am I correct in that? Oh, totally, totally. And I mean, yeah. the more the more breath work I do, the more spiritual stuff I do, the more sensitive and open I become to the point where like, you know, I feel people's emotions in my face and in my body really intensely yeah. and quite aggressively sometimes. And, <laughs> I, you know, I, get, I do get really tired now compared to before when I was more like avoidant and cut off from my spirituality and cut off from my emotions. So there is yeah, that price you. that you pay for sure. Um, 100%. Yeah. So what yeah. do you what do you do? Because I'm similar. I also, even if I am with a group of people who are highly conscious and the people that I love the most, which I'm so blessed, we like live up in the mountains with a group of completely conscious people, I still feel exhausted. So <laughs> afterwards, just because as you say, like the more you open up, the more you open up, what does uh, Spider-Man's uncle say? With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> but what are, you, what are your practices for people who are also energetically sensitive and empathic and opening themselves up but maybe don't live in a mountain, mountainous area or in the wilderness somewhere but they live in the city? Like what are your best tips? Honestly, Angel, it is this struggle that I navigate myself in that mm. – I'm not made to live in a city, I don't think. I, I, I'm someone who's like, I'm quite dynamic. Like I like the city vibes. I like that there's a lot going on. I'm really extroverted. I love variety. So London's great for that because you can just do a different thing every single day and you will never run out of something to do. However, mm. during this lockdown, that has obviously been stripped away in that everything's been shut. So I've just been in an apartment working in the apartment. And I also don't like not having choice. I don't like being told what to do. And so uh, it's been really a bit of a struggle for me. And I was living in Shoreditch, just on the edge of Shoreditch in the city almost, in a high-rise apartment on the 19th floor, beautiful view, but very hard for me because I'm already up in the clouds and up with the angels and the spirit guides. <laughs> and so like, you know, I was having vertigo for the first three months of living there. So that's why we've made this radical change to move during the middle of the lockdown. We've moved to a ground floor apartment that's much bigger and much homely. And we're right near Regent's Park and Primrose Hill. And so I'm going out there every day. I'm touching the trees. I'm hugging them. I'm feeling the air in my face. I'm going for my bath. But what I typically do when we are not in 2020 coronavirus times is I travel a lot and I have the privilege to do that. I have the financial freedom to do that. And I have a business that allows me to do that. So I'm really lucky in that sense that I've been able to manifest that. But I like to travel a lot, go to places where my soul really resonates with the energy, earthy places, islands. I love that sort of vibe. And what has also helped me is having a plan for my future. So I know that I won't always live in London. I have a plan that I'm manifesting to like buy a place in Europe and live out in nature and that sort of thing. Um, on the present day level, though, it is really the simple act of connecting to those four elements. So I'm always having fire in my house. So whether it's a candle or lighting the fire, um, using the bath to spiritually purify through water element, going to the park, putting my bare feet on the grass, connecting to, you know, the electrons on the earth, touching the earth, touching the trees, feeling the roots, and then other things, you know, like meditation and a lot of anchoring and grounding practices. Um, the most potent yet again is though the breath work. Uh, mm. The breath work is the most amazing way to really clear your energy, to clear your physiology. I mean, you detox around 70% of your body when you do a rebirthing breath work session, which is the modality that I practice and teach. And, you know, you get rid of a lot of stuff. You know, I stink afterwards usually and I have to like go to the toilet and stuff because you're you're getting rid of so much stuff. So I would definitely say that is one for people to think about. 
Yeah, absolutely. I um, I resonate with that as well. Even if I'm like stressed or anything like that, whenever I'm detoxing like energetically, I definitely smell more. So <laughs> that's a good <laughs> sign if you're doing a, a healing practice or using any kind of integration tool um, and you're getting stinky. It means you're doing the work, you're clearing it out. Uh, I heard you touch on, and I want to pull on that thread, touch on how you have manifested the career and life of your dreams and that you're also, it's like a continual process. There's further to go and there's sort of a a vision for now and that you're really grateful for. But what I'm also hearing is there's a vision for the future that you're excited for. So I wonder if you could share a little bit on your process for manifestation. Mm, Definitely. I love talking about this. So, you know, sometimes people are like either really for the law of attraction or they're kind of like anti it. I kind of subscribe to my own view of manifestation because manifesting is just bringing something into creation, right? You don't have to subscribe to any teachings or beliefs to know that. Like what you think Mm -hmm. about and what you do is going to create an emotion or create an action or create a result. And so we're all manifesting whether we believe in something or we believe in those teachings or not. So that's kind of powerful in that we can recognize that we have this butterfly effect in our own lives. But what I think people get caught up on and what I don't get caught up on, which has allowed me to manifest a lot of things, is focusing on the how. So a lot of people get really obsessed with like, how is this thing going to happen? How am I going to overcome all of this shit that I'm dealing with? How am I going to get through all these limiting beliefs? How am I going to find my soulmate? When really what I love to do is to connect to the what and the why. So what do Mm -hmm. I want for my life? What is my desire? But really unpicking that for a while, and this is where having a coach is brilliant because they can really like mirror this back to you and help you to unravel things that you won't do on your own, in your own conscious mind, and Mm. figuring out like what is the core desire and then what are the accompanying desires to that? And am I actually focused on the right desire or is there something inside of that that I really want? So, for example, say you want to manifest a promotion, But maybe what you're really desiring is that you want to feel secure or you want to feel accomplished. And then you start to look at, okay, well, why do I want that? And marrying this what and why allows you to then send your energy into the right places. It allows you to, you know, align with the thoughts and beliefs that are going to help you to create that, to have the conversations that are going to create that. And I kind of break this down into a three-step process. So I can share that with you if you want. Yeah, please do. Cool. So it's the three A's, I call it, because my name's Amy, so it's easy to remember. (laughs) (laughs) So I just heard your Aussie come out so hard. Love it. Aussie Amy, hit us. When I'm talking to to another Aussie, it comes out, you know. Oh, my Um, God, me too. Me too. Yeah. Which I'm I'm happy about because I feel like I'm losing this accent and I want to reclaim it. Um, But the the first A is to ask. So to ask Mm -hmm. for what we truly want and to know why we truly want it. And I think like a lot of people ask for things and they want to ask, you know, for certain things to come to fruition, but they're not actually the true things that they want. It's what they think they want or it's what their ego thinks that they need to get, what they think they should want or they should create. So getting really clear on, you know, what is it that I truly desire What are the emotions that I desire to feel? Why do I want that? Why do I want to feel that? Why do I want to create that? And really getting into that. We'll be right back. I wanted to let you guys know something really exciting. Enrollments for the brand new and improved Lit Up for Life membership are opening Tuesday, the 25th of August. So we decided not to open enrollments this month, but I promise that next month you will have the opportunity to jump on board and join this badass tribe of awakened and awakening women. There's going to be seven full days for you to enroll, and this membership is an affordable pathway for the awakened or awakening woman. So every single month we cover new themes like September is shadow work, in October we're covering sensuality, and November is all about money and abundance. It is my mission and life's 
purpose to support you in up-leveling every area of your life through the only thing that really can, in my opinion, truly soulful self-love and spiritually sourced self-esteem. Every single month for around the price of a single yoga class and a smoothie, you're going to get an in-depth deep dive intro video for our month's theme, weekly guided practices, and a monthly live training with me, plus access to our entire community of other like-minded wonder women who are all completely devoted to healing and transformation. It's an incredibly beautiful space. And as women, we need these safe spaces to come together, explore, unravel, and to be reborn anew, to completely transform. And we get to do that together. This is a safe space for you to be seen and loved for who you are unapologetically. So if you are an awakened or awakening woman and you're walking this path alone or just want more tribe, community and epic tools that actually work to keep supporting you in transforming into the sexiest, most alive and embodied goddess that you are and can be, then come and join us. Head to litupforlife.com, pop your email there, and you'll be notified as soon as enrollments open. I'll see you there. And then from there, we move on to the alignment. And this is where we hear things, you know, live as if you know you deserve it. Live as if you know it's coming. I kind of reframe that for myself and I say, live as if you know it's a done deal. So live as if it's already a yes. You just don't it's know. It's inevitable. What, yeah, totally. And like you don't know when it's going to happen or how. So you're not going to sit there thinking about the timing and whether it's like showing up yet? Where am I going to meet my soulmate? Is it going to be tomorrow? Blah, blah, blah. But it's like, oh, okay, it's a done deal. I know it's happening. And now I'm just going to trust myself to take the actions that I need to take now that feel good. And I'm going to Mm. align with that in the right timing. Um, So not getting stuck in the how, which is a pitfall you mentioned earlier. This is the point where people get stuck in that, hey? Totally. And like, how can, how can look like so many things? It can be like, how am I going to get that promotion? How am I going to learn how to run this business? How am I going to find the money to do A, B, and C? Whatever it is. But it's like keep connecting to the what and the why because we're emotionally driven beings, right? So everything that we're motivated towards has this like emotional payoff behind it. So if we're connected to the why, which is typically like our values and the things that our soul wants and the things that are most important to us is our unique human selves, then that's going to help us to keep aligning, to keep taking actions, keep reconnecting to the desire and those moments of failure, comparison or rejection. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is where things like visualizing the goal, manifesting, speaking to your higher self. Um, The way I kind of talk to my higher self is maybe a little bit different to what other people might resonate with. So I think sometimes when people say, oh, you know, I've got to visualize my higher self, they're often thinking of someone who's like better than them or like the version of themselves that is perfect. But I kind of see my higher self as like this inner granny that lives inside of me. And she's like had (laughs) this really, yeah, she's had this like amazing life and she's liberated and she's had like an amazing life full of dreams and good sex and adventures. And she's like super wise and has all the lessons under her belt. And I sort of ask her, you know, what advice would you give me in this moment of fear or this moment Mm. of doubt? And I talk Mm. to her internally and that helps me to like soothe and keep aligning with the things that I want when they're not showing up quickly because I'm an impatient person. That's so powerful. I can't remember who said it, but I remember a few years ago hearing someone share that they ask themselves in 10 years time. It's like you've kind of just taken that even further where it's like, yeah, ask you in 10 years or ask you when you're 80, like, what should I do in this moment? And I think the trick or the kicker to that is that we're so wired for short-term thinking. Our brain was like developed for that short-term environment. So if you can ask yourself a question like that, you can get yourself into longer-term thinking. So that's really clever. I love that. Mm. And then there's the third A, which is the action right? Which this is important, right? Because a lot of people just jump straight into action and they're not worrying about, do I really want this thing? Is this my true desire? Am I in alignment? Is there space in my life for this? All of the things. 
and they're just taking wild action and then it just creates this self-fulfilling prophecy of failure or rejection or reinforcing the belief that they can't have what they want. And so Mm. action is really important and I'm definitely like a trailblazer. I love to take action. I'm quite an impulsive person. I'm type 7 Enneagram. Uh, but we want to make sure that like the action is intentional. And so we want to prepare ourselves to receive what we're asking for. You know, if I'm asking to earn a certain amount of money in my business, for example, do I have the staff to like carry off the admin, for example? Uh, you know, if I want to manifest three new clients this month, have I made sure that I have the time to devote to them, you know, and getting really connected to what are the actions that I need to take practically, energetically, spiritually, emotionally, to make sure that this thing can be received so I can be a receptive vessel for this desire. Um, And part of this is also boundaries as well, which I think a lot of women struggle with. And that's definitely something that I'm always having to like return to as this karmic lesson of like making sure I have the boundaries in place to protect my desires so they can manifest. Totally. And what I'm hearing you say, it sounds like as well as making sure that you're in integrity with what you're calling in. And I feel Mm. like, like, so hearing you say like, do I have the space for these three clients? Do I have the staff? Like making sure that you are set up, but also an integrity for calling those desires in. And I think that's also really clever because I think often what people trip up on is that they'll be wanting to manifest something and they feel like it's not happening. And sometimes it's because it's not in alignment with their inner being or with their highest. So it's like, there's this like foot on the accelerator and foot on the brake at the same time. But I think with your process that you're sharing, it really sounds like you're also in just really ensuring that what your soul is desiring, what your inner being is desiring, or the highest part of you, the wisest granny inside each of us, (laughs) what that part of you is desiring is also fully aligned with like the surface level desire. So that's Mm -hmm. also really clever. And I love that. I would love to pivot if if you feel open to it. Let's I know do that. It. Yeah. Um I and and kind of come back. It's all going to be about this kind of stuff anyway, but I know that again it's kind of like part of manifesting this beautiful career of your dreams. I also know that you fairly recently married. How many years have you been with your hubby or married to your hubby? We spontaneously eloped 2 years ago today. 2 years ago. Wow, oh my god, today. Yeah, it's our anniversary today. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's so girly. My voice just went up like eight decimals and I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) When women get excited. Well, happy anniversary, my love. Thanks, Abby. I I would love to like pull on that thread. So what tools do you guys use in your relationship when you come up against challenges? Like how do you navigate being in a conscious relationship? Mm, Yeah. I mean, we're definitely really compatible in a sense. So I think we are are lucky in that sense. Uh, Tristan is a secure attachment style. I was kind of erring on the more avoidant style, but I would definitely say that like that is sort of quantum shifted in our relationship. We had a bit of a funny beginning in that about six months into our relationship. I had previously Uh, been diagnosed with PTSD a few years before that, but I was doing really well, wasn't really having any problems with that. And six months into our relationship, I had an intense flashback of sexual abuse that emerged out of nowhere, probably because I was in like a really good space, right? And I was in this, like, it was just in moving to London and I felt really empowered. I felt really good. And my brain probably then thought, amazing, great. This is a safe space for this trauma to be healed and released. So that kind of came up. And obviously we were only six months into our relationship because it was sexual abuse. That's obviously like super intimate. And as anyone who has like been through that will know that there can be a lot of shame in that and also shame around like body, sex, love that can come into that. And so Mm. we went through this kind of like accelerator of healing in a way because uh, he was one of the first people that I shared it with. He really helped me through it. He gave me this unconditional support and support of the masculine that was really absent for me at the time that this happened when I was younger and I repressed it. And so in a way, our relationship kind of went from like zero to a thousand really quickly. There was a lot of vulnerability, a lot of trust, a lot of depth 
that came very quickly. And then what that enabled was it really enabled him to go deep into his personal development process and his spiritual awakening, which prior to that was like non-existent. And so we kind of went on this trajectory together in our relationship and we've been really lucky in that we've gone on the same trajectory together. We've we've stayed in alignment with that. Um, but on an ongoing basis now, I would say like really important is communication. And so we, we talk really uh, deeply about a lot of things. We really understand one another because each of us as individuals have done personal development. So we understand ourselves and we share that with one another. And uh, one of the best things I think that really works for us is that we are kind of in this unwritten agreement that when the other person is triggered, like we're going to hold the space. So um, instead of projecting our stuff onto each other, both of us are so, we're pretty self-aware. And so I know what his projections typically are, what his habituated behaviors, patterns, uh, reactions are. And so I'm able to, instead of like react to that, I'm able to kind of take that step back and almost like hold a masculine space for him to have his emotion and vice versa. And he's also done like a lot of work around like Tantra and things like that. So he really understands my feminine cyclical nature and is really non-judgmental towards me. So if I'm like bleeding and I'm like getting my period blood out and casting a spell or something he's like yeah you go girl you know what I mean he's not like what are you doing um (laughs) so we give each other like room to be who we are to be in our emotions to be in our weirdness and Mm -hmm. uh we never kind of try and change each other we just grow bless that it sounds like you have a shared value which me and my partner also share and I think it's so so useful is Um, sharing the value of a commitment to growth. I want to ask you, because I have a lot of women ask this question to me, and I'm curious of your perspective. What if your partner is not quote unquote spiritual or Mm. like what, what can women who are listening right now or men um, who have a partner and maybe they're into spirituality and personal development and they're going through their awakening and they're leaning into the tools, but their partner's not, and they love their partner. What do you think? Yeah, it's a tricky one. And this question gets brought to me all the time as well. And I always like to ask other coaches this as well, because I feel like everyone has a different view on it. I mean, Mm. there's something to be said about this like unconditional positive regard for others. Um, I don't believe that we can fully unconditionally love other human beings. Uh, That might be a bit controversial. I think that they're there are going to be some conditions for us because, you know, you're not going to let your partner like abuse you and do all these things to you and murder loads of people and just unconditionally love them, you know. Um, And then you've got values that come into this as well. And so, yes, you can love someone with like so much of your heart, but if you have really inconsistent values, that might work in terms of love, but does it work in terms of a long-term lifetime relationship if that's what mm. your partnership or your desired partnership vision is? Uh, I think like there's a difference between loving someone and also like having a functioning relationship. The relationship is like a box that you have to like continue putting things in and making sure that you're both putting things in and it's matching up and you're creating a life together that suits both of you. That being said, I know that for some people and definitely like more feminine beings are often like typically more open to some spiritual stuff. Sometimes men um, or masculine beings are like not as quick to get on board, which is a total generalization, but just in my experience and what I witness. Uh, And so sometimes I think if you would like your partner to get involved in that stuff, sometimes they resonate more with uh like the scientific stuff, uh, breathwork again can be like a really good entryway into this because breathwork is really backed by a lot of science. It, it's quite like, it can be quite masculine in a sense. You don't have to sit there and like talk about your feelings and like talk to your spirit guides or anything like that. <laughs> your partner might have an amazing physical experience. And, um, sometimes I think because men, can typically be more like physical beings uh, that can resonate 
resonate for them. You know, having that really physical sensation that you get in breath work. And then maybe sometimes they have a really strange spiritual experience in the breath, which does happen. And then, you know, it opens something up for them. However, ultimately, this is going to come down to like, what are your values? What would your infinite consciousness, you know, have for your life if you weren't afraid, if there weren't any caveats, like would you still choose this person or is this something that I'm settling for? Is this creating resistance and problems for me? And then you've also got to think about like children as well, like if if children and having a family is really important to you and being a conscious parent, how are you guys going to, you know, cross that bridge if you have like really conflicting values that cause controversy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I'm hearing you say is really similar to to my belief around this and is that as long as your values are aligned, there's more space, right? It's just mm. if the expression of your values is different, like me and my partner, our, like I said, our, our values are really aligned when it comes to growth and effectiveness and compassion and kindness. But he is an entrepreneur, a businessman, very pragmatic, science-minded, incredibly masculine. <laughs> and that's actually good for me because I yeah. am, it grounds me in a way. And so although the expression of our values looks really different, our values, are our core values align. And I'm hearing you, you say that as well. And I love what you said about, you know, using the language or the tools that will connect with our partner. Because I think often what I hear is people maybe feel triggered or upset that their partner isn't more curious or open to what they enjoy. And so they come at it from that place of defensiveness and they, and it, they don't actually they're not actually creating connection through the way that they uh, have this conversation or the tools that they offer. So it's a nice reminder to meet people where they're at, use the language that will connect with them. And I always joke with people who identify as feminine or all humans, we can embody the like divine feminine in any moment by seducing people into the light (laughs) and (laughs) massaging out potential. So Yeah, Um, I think as well, there's like, there's a distinction here that is worth noting. If you, if your partner is not spiritual and they are shaming you or like judging you or complaining that you're spending time going to yoga or going on retreats or whatever it is that you're doing, that, that may be a problem for you, right? Because I think ultimately, and I was sort of touching on this when I was talking about my relationship with Tristan, we have this unconditional agreement, this unwritten agreement that like we're allowed to change, we're allowed to be who we are, you know, and we just keep meeting each other in the middle. But if you don't feel like you have space to fully go down your spiritual pathway because you're afraid that you will be rejected, shamed, abandoned, judged in your relationship, that's quite a difficult position to be in. And it's potentially not a place that, you know, you're going to be able to be like the best expression of yourself. However, if you're like just judging your partner because you're really into all your spiritual stuff and they're not doing that, that may be your own projection to deal with in that case, because you're basically asking that person to be more of something that they're not. And Mm -hmm. for some people, and definitely for some men, if we just use the example of like a, you know, a cis hetero man, for them, sport is spirituality. Like that is where they express their emotions. That's where they feel like the happiest feels that they could ever feel. They feel bliss and joy and excitement. For some people, it's going to be like, yeah, like (laughs) flying a kite or, you know, other people, it's going to be like their mission or their work and they really lose themselves in that flow state. And for them, that's their connection to God or spirit or source. And so I think it's so unique to each relationship, but ultimately there needs to be this like compassionate and understanding regard for each other at the core of whatever's going on. Yeah. And I think it's usually a mix of both, you know, like one person's judging the other person and trigger the other person judging the other person. And then it's like shame, judgment, guilt. Mm. And it's, it's usually a mix of both. Do you find that too? Yeah. I mean, 
this is what relationships are. We get together (laughs) with people who remind us of an unmet need and we project onto each other. Like, (laughs) And any relationship, even if it's not romantic, is like that. You know, my teachers always say this to me. They're like, Amy, anything that is going on in your life, anything dramatic, it's always a projection. And it's true. So, you know, we can be curious about that. Yeah, it's a grand old time. Speaking of teachers, I I know you're doing Layla's program right now. Am I right in that? Yeah, Sex, yeah. Sex, love, and relationship coaching. She's actually um, a friend of ours and she helped me a ton recently with some business mentorship when I was feeling hella crunchy and like super uninspired after the fire around work stuff. So I'm incredibly grateful to that woman. But I'd love to know, like, what are you learning that's blown your mind the most? Or is there one thing that's just really stood out that you'd love to share with everyone? I mean, it's an amazing container. I've done a lot of certifications and I'm still blown away by it, to be honest. I'm still in the container. And, you know, I really think that she is a teacher that embodies a lot of integrity She is amazing in how she harnesses the spiritual and ethereal and the energetic and metaphysical stuff, but she's got her feet on the ground. You know what I mean? Like she's, she's Mm -hmm. earthed, she's rooted, she's got her head on her shoulders. She's really embodying that masculine meets feminine in the coaching industry, which I think sometimes you don't get so much of. You either get people who are like, really woo and really, uh, you know, spiritual and sometimes a little bit too feminine. And then you have Mm -hmm. people who are like, let's make six figures through nine sales funnels and like sell all these high ticket programs and blah, 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 you know, and get really, really masculine and really like businessy and that sort of thing. And I think she's just the epitome of that beautiful sweet spot in the middle of like, you know, she knows exactly what she's doing. She's an amazing businesswoman. She's a great teacher. She's really good at teaching and educating, articulating, and I'm really loving the course. So it's a great, great coaching course. And I think the industry needs it because there's a lot of BS out there, as as I'm sure you know. (laughs) Oh, yeah, honey. Well, I'm so happy to hear it. And and speaking of it, I kind of want to loop back around. You shared something really deep and intimate and vulnerable uh, around your experience of sexual abuse. And so I just want to thank you and honor you for being willing to share on something that I know can be really challenging to speak about and if you feel inspired is there anything in regards to sexual healing or your own sort of sexual awakening and sexual healing are there any tools or anything that's been really powerful for you or is there anything you could share for anyone listening any Mm. resources is there books or yeah simple tools or steps they can take other than of course going to see a therapist or a coach that can support them but maybe a ritual or anything you would just want to share on that. Definitely, definitely. Well, I mean, I've learned a ton in Layla's course, but even prior to that, I started this process for myself of liberating my womb and my yoni and my pussy and really like getting connected to that space in my body again and also especially my throat. So our Mm. throat and our cervix are really intimately linked and our heart and our womb are also really intimately linked as well through vagus nerve. So prior to this, I was doing some work around this anyway, around like using my voice, activating my throat chakra, setting boundaries in the bedroom. But the ritual that is really stuck and that I continue with is de-armoring. So this is Mm. the process of, you know, de-armoring the cervix, the inside of the vagina. I use a wand that's like, it's from my friend Rosie's store. Her store is Yoni Pleasure Palace. And it's this big, sort of intimidating looking wand it's very thin but it's like a long serpent and it's curved and it allows you to push on different areas inside of the vaginal canal and specifically like maneuvering around the cervix because Mm -hmm. we store a lot of trauma we store a lot of pain limiting beliefs tension in our cervix and as you can imagine, like the cervix is where all life comes from. So, so much of our life force energy lives there. But if we're storing all of this wounding and this conditioning and ancestral trauma and trauma around being a woman and every single trauma that we've experienced in our life, if it's all manifesting there, we're blocking not only, you know, beautiful 
orgasmic sex and sensation, we're blocking our throat, we're blocking our expression, we're keeping our hearts closed because our hearts and our wombs are linked. And so like this is a somatic practice that I feel helps a lot of people when they've reached that point in their personal development journey where they understand you know, the roots of things. They know, oh, I've got, you know, a problem with my daddy and, you know, abandonment, or I know why I do this weird pattern because, uh, you know, this happened to me and blah, blah, blah. They consciously get it, but they keep repeating the pattern. And it's because they haven't integrated it in their body, in their nervous system on the somatic level. And so de-armoring is it's not really sexual in the sense, like it can be quite painful, but this mm-hmm. is a beautiful release process and it's for nobody except you. You know, you mm-hmm. give this to yourself, you give it and mm-hmm. you receive, you bring the masculine and the feminine into this. So yeah. it's really beautiful. And then for beginners, maybe start with the yoni egg. So just putting the, you know, the jade egg or the rose quartz egg up inside of the vagina and creating a practice around it with music, dancing, Kegels. Uh, these are the most transformative practices that I resonate with. Yeah, I actually would concur. I use a similar like S-shaped wand and it's such a beautiful and powerful practice. And so I'm really glad you shared it. Uh, one thing I want to touch on for anyone who's sort of listening and you did touch on it, that it can be a little bit painful let's say feeling around in in the cervix or those spots that feel tender where we might be holding tension or trauma or even the spots that feel numb. Do you have any advice for ladies who are going through the process who may come come upon a crunchy spot or a spot that feels tender and sore? Mm, Yeah. I mean, it's important to be gentle with yourself. You know, like you don't you don't want to throw yourself in the deep end. You don't want to re-traumatize yourself in a way. Yes. Numbness is a really common one. And I think part of the problem of this is like, this is not just from sexual abuse. I mean, like they say one in six women are sexually abused and that's just what they have officially. Um, So that's a huge problem for a lot of people, but there's also an ancestral element to this. So, you know, how many generations of women before you have been abused or raped or killed or objectified Um, you know, generations of women throughout the patriarchy, we've been dishonored, we've been degraded, we have been objectified for our bodies, for our sexual organs, for our genitals. But at this, it's weird, because we're kind of like, sexualized and in a way like celebrated in a yucky way but also Mm -hmm. shamed for that and so Mm -hmm. of course we switch off from that area because it's dangerous the madonna complex yeah of course and so if you have numbness or like for some women that i work with they have numbness because you know they've had a traumatic birth or they're just taking their time to like reintegrate and find their new sexual identity after they've gotten pregnant and their body's changed uh it's okay if it feels numb. Just be gentle, be curious, explore. Um, For some people, uh, what they can do is you can actually go to a tantric practitioner and have a yoni massage. Obviously, this is incredibly uh, invasive is not the right word, but it's very intimate, right? You've got a person Mm -hmm. who's putting their fingers inside of you. So you Mm -hmm. really, if you're going to go down that path, it can be extremely empowering because that person knows what they're doing and they're going to be able to help you to kind of push through some of that pain in a gentle and nourishing way um, mm-hmm. rather than like avoiding or resisting as we might tend to do if we're pushing on it ourselves. Uh, however, there can also be a lot of dodginess in that industry. So you have to be yeah. really careful and really empowered and trusting in the person that you see, maybe going off a recommendation. If it was me, I'd probably only see a woman. Mm. Um because you're in a really vulnerable position. So it can be very healing, but you also want to be careful with that. I think Layla also has a couple of free YouTube videos for self-yoni massage and also for your partner to learn how to do it too, which could be good resources for that. Definitely, definitely. I've I've read in books like you can bring your partner into this, uh, but for some people that might also be too triggering. You know, it might It might be too intense to have your partner doing this for you or there may be some layer of 
like facade there for you around not being able to drop in and be fully vulnerable. Uh, so it's so unique to each woman. But the way that I say is like make it a beautiful ritual space for yourself. Put on some music dance around naked. This is what I do. I'll like touch myself like I would have a lover touch me. Then I allow Mm -hmm. myself to get turned on, get wet so that there's not going to be any pain from like dryness. And then Mm -hmm. I'll like go in either with my fingers or with the wand. And I just keep this open curiosity. Like, what am I going to find here today? Let's see. And yeah. then the really important thing is like you sound, you should sound out what you feel. So let your throat chakra open, make weird sounds. I'll growl and like yell and sometimes laugh and just turn into a total like crazy person if someone was watching yeah. me. But that's important because <laughs> that's like the animal primal uh, emotion that needs to come through in that practice. Totally. And I think that when you allow yourself this in in private spaces, the lovemaking that you can have with your partner becomes so much uh, more amplified. It's like giving the keys to the castle, you, you know, that is your body, the temple. Like how do you give someone those keys if you haven't kind of explored opening yourself? And I, I just made me laugh because I was thinking of how I am now with my partner with the growling and like the vocal release and just like letting <laughs> it all come out. I mean, he's so here for it, bless him, but it's it's a really powerful thing. The other thing I would say as well, for anyone listening, I also practice mirror work and I know that that can sound really intense. So as Amy's saying, like start slow, but, and also as Amy, as you were sharing, it's so important, like make it a ritual, like candles, put music on. But something that was really powerful for me is just opening my legs after I danced and turn myself on. And like, another thing I'll do is look in the mirror and like, talk about like what turns me on about me. And sometimes it'll be my mind or my character and, you know, certain physical traits, but allowing myself to go there. And then like, as you were saying, Amy, earlier, you were touched on, you're like, you know, all life comes from there. It's like this powerful portal. And I remember having this moment in the mirror. This is actually interesting. It was the day that our house burned down. I did a tantric ritual and I had to joke later, obviously it wasn't funny at the time, but I had to joke later. I was like, damn, things got really hot. <laughs> Like too hot, but uh, careful. But <laughs> should come with a fucking warning or something. But part of that practice was using the wand that you're talking about, and I'd like gotten in the mirror and danced and laid my vegan fur rug out and just laid there and opened my legs and just stared at my yoni in the mirror. And I was like, wow, it's literally like the eye of life. Like when you look at it, it's almost an eye shape. We have like our two eyes, our third eye, and I'm like, this is another portal it felt like and it was really powerful for me just to lovingly like look myself in the eye (laughs) and have that moment because it can feel really intense and I know another thing we were touching on is like numbness and disconnecting and and staying with it and I love everything you were saying I think another practice that's been really powerful for me is if I am feeling myself disconnect, just being really aware of that. And then what I'll often do is ask the part of me that's disconnecting, what is the pain it's protecting me from? If I feel safe and like I've set up this container of healing and and taken it slow and all the beautiful things that you recommended, Amy, and I'm feeling safe enough to go there, if I feel myself disconnecting or getting into that avoidance, I'll just ask that part of me like, hey, part of me that's disconnecting I know you're protecting me and I love you and I thank you I'm here and ready to feel it all I have the space and the strength for it can you show me the pain can you let me touch the pain that you're protecting me from and I found when I can actually bring that part of me on board and respect that part of me because for a long time for me I was like oh the part of me that disconnects or avoids is bad And that part of me is like working against me. But when I found a way to like connect with that part of me and be like, oh, this this part of me has positive intent for me. And the part of me that's disconnecting is protecting me from a pain based on past traumatic experiences when I didn't feel resourced or equipped or supported enough to cope with the pain. So the only way I could cope was to disconnect. And so rather than shaming that part of me, just actually resourcing that part of me now that I can and do have better skills and resources and and an ability to fully support myself. So um, Mm. just wanted to share that because that's been really powerful too. That's that's amazing because do you know what? A lot of people's initial conditioning comes from 
being told to keep their legs closed and slut shaming and Mm. you know like maybe even you know I've I've had clients who've been you know eight years old and they've realized that they can make a sound with their pussy you know like they do a little queef and they tell their parents and then their parents are like that's disgusting don't do that it's inappropriate and they Mm. get shamed for it and so Mm. they walk around like trying to conceal this fucking powerful pussy that's in between your legs and like denying its existence and so sitting in the mirror spreading your legs touching your thighs looking at it even if you don't even touch yourself that is powerful for some people and that's part of the reclamation that you were saying of like embracing these parts of you that are afraid embracing the shame embracing what feels painful because if you resist it it just comes back even worse so we've got to like pull it in put it under our arm have a conversation with it be with it parent it and then ask ourselves how do we want to go forward from here yeah so beautiful creating those safe spaces to re-experience stuff from this different more mature more resourced vantage point Mm -hmm. um and I think a big part of that is also sisterhood. And and I wanted to ask you, I feel from you, you know, we, we've been sort of on the periphery of each other's lives and for many years in different ways, kind of synchronistically, but I've always felt your support and you're really a woman who stands for other women and that's incredibly powerful. And I know that sisterhood in my life has played such a huge role in my healing journey. And so I just wanted to ask you, like, what role has sisterhood played for you in your own healing journey? And could you speak a little to that? Yeah, thank you for saying that. That's definitely like something that I pride myself on as a Leo. Um, I'm loyal as fuck <laughs> uh, until, until until I get to the breaking point, of course, in true Leo style. But for me, it's been like a up and down journey of sisterhood, I think, because I am someone who is very, um, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I share a lot. I, you know, if someone needs help, I'll share everything I know. I'm not like trying to keep secrets or be in competition. However, throughout my life, I have had this, I guess it's like a soul lesson of some sort, Uh, of women being very like jealous of me or wanting things that I have and trying to take things that I have, you know? And so I've had a lot of situations throughout my life, which I definitely, I'm grateful for because they've, they've taught me so much, but these situations of women sort of pulling the carpet out from under me, taking things that I have copying me, you know, I get plagiarized a lot. So that's always like a trigger for me when it's other women as well. Um, so you know, despite all that though, what that has allowed me to do has really like see the gift in being someone who is supportive of other people. And I feel like the more that I've lent into that and just being like, you know what, it doesn't matter if there are people out there who who don't have good intentions or who don't have the same values or the same way of supporting that I do. I'm going to shine my light and keep shining my light no matter what. And those people who are like me find me. And um, for that, I've got very little drama in my life. All of my friends, you know, I don't, I don't think I've had fights with like any of them or disagreements because we just talk about something if something is, you know, an issue or if there was any like confusion. Um, all the women in my life are very supportive. They're typically all entrepreneurs and we all want the best for each other. And that has been really helpful for me in the last few years because there was a period where I didn't have that when I first started my business. And I had a lot of my older friends who were not supportive of my new venture, who were judging Mm. me, who I fell out with, who I had uh, fights with, which I found really hurtful and really confronting and gossip and things like that. Uh, So I think when it comes to sisterhood, like, yes, there are going to be women who are not going to support you, especially in the business world and sometimes in the coaching world, unfortunately. Uh, Mm. But all we can control is ourselves. Like I can only control me and who I am. And I know who I am behind closed doors. I know who I am when no one's watching. I know that I'm genuinely supporting people if I say I'm supporting them. I know that I don't have an agenda. I can't control if someone else does. I can't control if someone likes me or doesn't. But what I can control is me. And so I kind of take it inwards and then think about how can I be the best 
sister and the best source of support to other women. And I feel like that kind of naturally has flowed back to me the more that I've done that and really allowed me to see other women as my sisters rather than my competition or my comparison because a lot of my friends do the exact same thing that I do, right? So, um, you know, there's just love and support and prosperity and good energy, good vibes. And I really think it comes back to like knowing who you are and shining that out rather than so much focusing on like what you can get from other people, what other people are going to do to you. Totally. And I think that that just is so much, speaks so much to the conditioning and the imprinting that happens as young women, as little girls, and like how the patriarchal system that we've lived under for hundreds of years, if not thousands, um, Mm. has affected women and and this sort of sense of competition that plays into scarcity consciousness and how that actually the divide keeps us small and keeps us under-resourced. But when we're, as I'm hearing you say, and as I experience in my own life, when we're resourcing ourselves and resourcing each other, we create this like unstoppable network and like force that's to be truly reckoned with. And so just, I mean, you, you, you really touched on it anyway, but if there's any any tips for women who are listening to this and feeling like, oh, I want to call in my tribe, like what do I do? Do you have any little tidbits? Definitely. Well, as I shared with you, I'm starting a membership so you can come and hang out with us. And, you know, big intention behind that is is this sisterhood aspect because I think it is important. I think part of our individual healing is the collective healing of the feminine and sister wounds. And um, another way that you can sort of start to do this is start to look at like, who are the people that you compare yourself to? And start to unpick that a little bit, you know, because there's a big part of comparison, which is yes, scarcity consciousness, but also, you know, jealousy, but within jealousy, sometimes jealousy and will often show us what we desire you know, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a few caveats to that, you know, if it's like how someone looks or, you know, superficial stuff, that's just the ego comparing, right? But if it's something that somebody has that you're comparing that is really something that you desire that's correlated to your values, look at that, unravel that, and then start to celebrate that that sister. Start to think about, well, you know what, she sh- is showing me what is humanly possible for her. And I'm a human, so maybe it's humanly possible for me. And, you know, then start to, you know, get in that celebration mode because that's going to allow you to get in a more comfortable proximity to people like that. Reach out to people. You know, the way that I made all my friends, this is like a running joke in my group of friends. I asked people if they wanted to be my friend. I literally asked them. So I would go to events where I would be like, you know what, I want to meet women who are, um, like-minded, who are spiritual or interpersonal growth, who care about, you know, goals and living a life of freedom and are supportive and don't gossip and all of the things. And I made a big list of things that I wanted in my soul circle. And then I started thinking about, okay, well, like, where would I go? Where would these people be? How could I get in proximity with them? And then I started to go to these events and I would go and sit next to people You know, I would just go and sit next to people and I would start a conversation and I would have deeper conversations rather than small talk because I I fucking hate small talk. It makes me so uncomfortable. And, um, (laughs) you know, then I would say at the end, I'd be like, look, I really clicked with you and I know that people don't really do this, but I would love to be friends with you. Would you like to be my friend? And first of all, it was hilarious because they would like totally not expect that question. So it would be like, ha ha ha. And then we'd have a laugh. And then they'd say like, yeah, I'd love to be your friend. And then I would follow that up and I'd say, okay, great. Can I get your number? Why don't we put a coffee date in the diary? Why don't we like go to this event together or go do this yoga class together? Um, you know, just so we keep the dialogue going. I don't want to like, you know, just meet and greet and then lose contact with you. And so I would just do that. And the people who were really like authentic and on that wavelength, they loved it. You know, they really appreciated it. And, you know, now all their like weddings and like speeches and stuff, they always bring this up. It's hilarious. Um, But I think we've got to be like forward. We've got to put ourselves out there. We've got to be vulnerable with other women because we are all carrying this imprinting 
on some level ancestrally that other women are a competition, that other women we need to not fully trust or be afraid of. So I believe in like being the light that you want to shine, you know, be the light, be the, be the friend that you desire, put yourself out there, be a bit bold, you know, go for it. And, um, put yourself in positions where you're going to meet those people and, you know, be vulnerable, be authentic and ask for what you want. Yeah. I feel like everything you've shared really fits into the framework that you were also sharing earlier around manifestation and the three A's. So it's kind of beautiful to uh, land it here and close the loop in in essence and hear you share about um, how that worked in action for you. So thank you for sharing that, sister. Pleasure. Yeah. I, I actually wrote it down. I wrote... My goal for this year, my number one desire is a soul circle of friends. I'm doing mm. it. This is my main priority. I've got other goals, but this is the most important one, you know, and I wrote it down and I made it real. Bless that. You asked for it. <laughs> what was the other one? You aligned with it by becoming <laughs> the light that you want to be. Yeah. And then you took uh, aligned action. You were like, be my friend. (laughs) Yeah. There's so much beautiful vulnerability in that. So before we move into some rapid fire questions, how can people find you if they want to connect with you? I know you mentioned you've got your membership launching soon. I know you have your magic Academy, a beautiful Instagram account. Where can people find you? Yeah. Come find me on Instagram because I'm definitely like always there, always vibing, dancing on my stories. Uh, So my Instagram is, this is Amy Rushworth. And you can come and find me also at my website, amyrushworth.com. There's various things on there. Like I've got an abundance bundle, which you guys might resonate with, which is like a full body meditation, a masterclass and a journaling workbook and a free Facebook group, which is just like all about confidence and abundance and manifesting what you want. And the membership is, depends when this episode is launched really, but it is launching in late July. So um, the membership will be up and running and that is going to be this spiritual sisterhood for the sexually, spiritually, soulfully awakening woman who wants to like have her wild dreams, the deep love, the abundance and do it while she's like ascending and awakening. So um, it's going to be a really cool, amazing container for those of you who are on that journey. Bless that. And I'll put all of that in the show notes for you guys so that you can find it and click it. So rapid fire. You ready? I'm ready. So someone comes to you and they're feeling really down and you can only give them one piece of advice. What do you say? Everything is temporary. The good stuff, the bad stuff, Mm. it's all temporary. So just be in this moment and know that it will pass. Feel, heal, receive, and keep facing your true north. Mm. Bless that. What's the most important thing for successful relationships? Mm, Tie between trust and vulnerability. Mm, I just got goosebumps. Your spirit animal. Oh, it's so hard, but I'm going to say a lion. I'm definitely a, a true Leo. Yeah, I see that. I see that. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? I feel like it would be teleporting. I would love to just teleport to Italy right now. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's a really nice one. The Amalfi, where are you going? <laughs> I feel like I would go to Sorrento right now. I'd like go to the beach and have a glass of wine on the beach. Yeah, I'll be there with you. I have a spritzer. Um, <laughs> if you could only take one spiritual practice, one tool, sorry to do this to you, um, to a desert island, what would it be? Well, I guess it would have to be breathwork, which would just mean I would be taking myself because – You only need yourself for that, but definitely, yeah, breath work. Bless. What's your favorite thing that you own? Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, weirdly, but let's see. Um, I think my Yoni egg. Oh, bless. I didn't get it. What were you going to say? Your skincare. Uh, do you know what? Because I feel like we vibe over that. <laughs> do you know what? Yeah, like so there's like probably two parts of my personality. So there's like the part of me that has like the attachments and that would be like I need my dresses and my skincare because I'm really into like fashion and skincare. But then there's like the wild woman in me that's like all you need is your yoni egg and like the breath and like no shoes. <laughs> 
<laughs> I am so with you on that, sister. And I feel like skincare, you know, it's it's self-care. It's such a loving ritual. But anyway, I digress. Something you believe is true that other people might think is crazy. I think, and maybe your listeners won't think this is crazy because I'm sure they're spiritual folks, but the breath is the gateway to the divine. And I know we keep coming back to this, but I've like spoken to Jesus in my breath work. I've like seen my unborn babies and all sorts of stuff. So I genuinely believe that that's like a portal out of our crown chakra to the cosmic forces that be, which normal people will think is insane. <laughs> Not you folks. We're hashtag woke over here. Um, <laughs> I have to agree. So if you could eat one meal before you die, what would it be? Again, sorry to do that to you, but <laughs> got to raise Bur- the stakes. Definitely a burger. I've, I've been really into these Beyond Burgers lately. I know that they're like kind of processed, the vegan burgers, but I'm really into it. I also love them. So <laughs> I'm with you there. Last one. If there was a universal answering machine, and you could leave a 15-second voice note or something, a few sentences that everyone in the world was going to hear today, what would you say? You are amazing. The universe designed you exactly as you are to be exactly who you are right now. Go spread your magic and sprinkle it everywhere. Stop doubting yourself and live your best life. Mm. Thank you so much, Queen. Thank you for your time today and your wisdom and your love and your light in the world. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. I feel like we could just talk for like 10 hours. We should just do a 10-hour live stream. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would be fun. It's coming soon, 10-hour live stream. (laughs) (laughs) Like the the Joe Rogan show where they like get a bunch of weed and they just sit there for like hours and hours and hours. That's it for today. And if you missed our free live event, the Primal Priestess Masterclass, it was deep and wildly transformative. But never fear if you did miss it because you can still catch the replay. Just make sure to head over to litupforlife.com and enter your email there. We'll send you the access to that plus a whole bunch of my other free and most life-changing content. And don't forget, if you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, you're going to go into the draw to win a free game-changing coaching session with me that we're going to draw at the end of next month. Stay lit.